Well, hey there, and welcome to Taxell Insiders. It's a podcast for successful lean and deed investing. And we're here talking to you all, basically, you Taxell investors, and nerding out, of course, about all things tax lean and tax deed investing. I'm Rachel Seidensticker, your host of this podcast, and I also happen to be the COO of Taxell Resources, which is powering this thing. We're attempting to unite new and seasoned Taxell investors with professionals in the industry. After almost 15 years in this industry, we've gotten to know several folks throughout all aspects of this investment niche. So we've interviewed them, and there are a variety of experts in this industry, and they're here to help inform you, the investor, of statutory complexities in each state, but also industry services that may make your life a bit easier. This podcast is going to try to inform, inform, and probably over-inform you but also assist you as an investor with the ins and outs of investing in this industry, both liens and deeds. So let's just dig in. So who is the we? I'm sure you're probably wondering. (laughs) Well, I'm referring to myself and my business partner, our CEO, our king interviewer, and really the brains behind this whole operation, Brian Seidensticker. Brian and I live across the country from one another. We are siblings, not married. And he will be doing most of the interviewing for this podcast. However, thankfully, for the, with the power of technology, it brings us together, and here we are giving you this great listening opportunity. Today's interview is with Stephen Morrell, the CEO of Juristeed. Now, Juristeed has some titling magic you're going to want to hear about, but Stephen also has an extensive law background and has been instrumental in statutory changes in the state of Louisiana for the last 10 years. This is going to be a two-part series where Brian and Stephen go down the Louisiana rabbit hole. Today, we're going to focus on the past and kind of, you know, what brought that past to today and give background to why Louisiana is in the midst of current proposed changes. Then, in the next episode, part two, Stephen Scherer is going to share what he thinks investors can expect in the near and not-so-distant future, as well as give you an overview of the foreclosure process. So, as we like to say, sit back... And relax as Brian and Stephen go deep, deep into the heart of Creole country and Louisiana's complicated tax sale history. Welcome to this uh, section of uh, Tax Sale Insiders. We're here with Stephen Morrell. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Stephen, I think I was trying to think back of when you and I met. I believe it. I was at a conference in. Uh, I'm, I might butcher this, Nolens, uh back in uh, 2012. Um, so we've known each other for a long time. Um, I know you've been, uh, Stephen's been absolutely pivotal in, for over the past 15 years in um, shaping the tax industry in Louisiana um, to what it is today, and then even more pivotal in what uh, direction it's going. Um, Stephen, I won't take your thunder um, but I'll, so I'll let you kind of tell us a little bit more about your background. So, um, yeah, at least, uh, tell us, tell us all the stuff in the tax industry you've been, you've been tackling over the last 15 years. Well, first off, uh, not bad on the, your Nolens, uh, enunciation. <laughs> I've heard far worse. So all right. yeah, I can tell you've been there a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, it has, we have known each other for a long time and it's, it's been, uh, it's, I'm glad to have you on the show and, and this is, uh, it's, I'm happy to be able to share uh, what uh, our experience has been in Louisiana and kind of where we are now. Um, 
for personally, my my background, um, I'm a, uh, an attorney, been practicing for about 18 years and uh, fell into real estate law pretty early on in my career um, with just a fascination of real estate. And then um, sort of happenstance fell into the tax sale world um, as clients were trying to get title insurance on tax sales and having the darndest time. <laughs> you mean um, you, didn't, you didn't have aspirations of getting in the tax sale industry as a kid? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I didn't know what the heck a tax sale was. So that seems uh, to be the so, biggest uh, biggest question at at conferences is how how do you get into this industry because it's it's so niche, uh, fairly unknown at least as of of today, and everyone seems to to fall into it. So uh, another victim of falling into the tax sale industry. Yeah, it's it's usually it has to be a unique story because there isn't like a real conventional way to fall into the industry. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I just left the, the big firm um, uh, of, you know, right out of law school, everyone tries to get a big firm job. And, and, I, and I had one for a, a few years and, and then was going out on my own uh, with, a, with a, a title company. And uh, when you go on your, on your own and you don't have any clients, you learn to say yes a lot. Um, uh, yes, I do that. <laughs> and so um, it just so happened that uh, people started walking in the door a couple of times with tax sales and saying, of course, my answer was yes. So, um, but I found it very interesting. Um, I found it, I was just really intrigued by it. It's not something I was familiar with before. Um, and then it became uh, where I was the tax sale guy. I was the, the one that, that the other attorneys and the, the title companies uh, were looking at doing more of a volume approach to their business uh, would start referring cases over to me. And, and so just sort of kind of ended up doubling down on it. And um, eventually, um, as, as you pointed out, we met probably back in 2012 or 11, whatever that was, but uh, uh, got associated with the MTLA and, and, and got associated with the, um, the, the state legislature has a, a body called the Law Institute, which is an academic um, and a practical um, organization of, uh, of experts that uh, are formed to help advise the legislature on prospective changes to the law uh, is really a smart way to, to go about considering potential legal changes because the legislature has limited time and ability and uh, to consider those types of major changes to the law. And uh, this gives um, our state the opportunity to have a well thought through researched um, uh, proposal uh, for very specific subject matters. I was added on to the Louisiana Tax Sale Committee for the Law Institute in 2014 and have been a member of that ever since. Um, it is through that organization that I've been able to contribute to um, analyzing Louisiana's tax sale system as it, as it was and it is now and proposing uh, several more legal changes that uh, at this point in time, we're hoping will become come to fruition sometime in 2021. Awesome. And you guess you mentioned, um, it sounds like a, a new venture you're involved with called uh, JurisDeed, correct? That's right. Uh, tell us a little about, the, about that. So JurisDeed is a uh, creation that is a, um, something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, I just recently, at the end of last year, left a position that I held for the previous five years, which was Chief Legal Officer for Civic Source. Um, and, and Civic Source is a company that's handling uh, government tax sale due diligence through technology. Um, and uh, I had uh, you know, partnered with them at a private practice to help sell the government held tax deeds with title insurance, which had never been done before. 
Um, that went really well. Uh, we had a great uh, um, uh, tenure with them, and uh, it was time for me to want to do something else. Um, what I had wanted to to uh, to do in the past, and I was able to to have now have the opportunity to do, which was to create something that benefits the um, the investors of tax sales, not just the government, but also the um, it is a benefit to the system of analyzing tax sale titles uh, to really crack this uninsurable code. And that and everybody has been dealing with this since, I mean, really since the first time I got into the business, it was it was already an established problem and it's never not become a problem. It's, it's how do we get um, on, a, on a regular basis, how do we get title insurance and how do we make this of a more insurable risk for underwriters? Um, and is it more of just a perception of risk rather than an actual risk? You know, what are we really afraid of? And, and, and why is it that, uh, that the industry is still fighting with this and if you ask uh, some of our you know, colleagues in the association, uh, the NTLA or the other uh, circles, and you ask them what the number, their number one uh, you know, gripe is about the industry, they'll probably tell you if they have anything to do with tax deeds, it's title mm -hmm. deeds over and over again, merchantable titles. And so uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a need there. And, and, I, and I recognize that. And it's in, in, you know, with the tax deed properties owned by government, um, getting title insurance on something that people thought was uninsurable was the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have been down that road before and, and was fortunate to have a lot of success with it and uh, wanted to really, um, you know, um, double down on that and, and, and see if we can expand that concept of, of mitigating the risk in a, in a more systematic way and through education and through legislation and, and by by bringing people together to have a better appreciation of the risk, they can understand how it is an insurable risk if you do it right. Um, and the the other aspect of uh, what Juristeed is going to become um, is to make it more accessible, make it more attainable and more financially possible for more people to actually go through that process. Because as you know, um, you know, trying to clear title and hiring attorneys and going into court. And it's a long process. Usually it's, it's expensive. As a matter of fact, it's, it's expensive and you don't even know how much you're going to spend. You get into yeah. it, you hope you don't have to spend much, but then you throw your hat into the litigation ring and you never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, attorneys have uh, unfortunately really held on to the past of not embracing technology that benefits the clients. Um, and clients don't really have a choice, right? You either get the legal services or you don't get the legal services. And that's unfortunate as the rest of the lot, many other industries have really um, embraced the, um, the uh, you know, te technology to really benefit the consumer. And, um, and that's something that I believe is, is absolutely attainable with the legal practice. And a perfect start to it is in something like real estate, which already has embraced modern technology in many other aspects such as financing and, and marketing and sales and yet this big segment of legal is just sort of still held back and they're holding themselves back so we intend to really buck that system right. and, and kind of shake shake that industry up and and bring a new technology platform that will be it will speed the process up of clearing title that will make it more insurable more marketable and will will create a, a more attainable and, and financially feasible system for people to, uh, to get clear title and legal services with fixed fees 
and, and predictable uh, uh, um, costs and much, much, much more expedited process of getting to that end result, which for the tax deed investor is to liquidate that asset with clear title, is to be able to get rid of it, get in and get out and not be stuck with it and not have a, a harder time selling that property and having to reduce the price because it's got a negative stigma to it on the title. Um, and, uh, and, and that's really the, that, that whole system um, is, is possible to be done by leveraging modern technology if you embrace it. And that's what Juristy is all about is really taking it. We're not inventing new technology. We're, we're take, we're finally taking a step towards embracing what's already out there and bringing it to market to benefit this, this particular industry. And that's, that's our goal. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's dive into Louisiana tax sales. Um, and I think the, the burning question um, on most people's minds, even after you do your research and read the statutes is, okay, is it a, is Louisiana a tax lien state or a tax deed state? And why, like, why is that so confusing? Because it's the burning question, right? What is Louisiana? Uh, it, it, I mean, we've been called many things um, and it's, you know, is it a hybrid? Is it a redeemable deed? Is it a, you know, if you know these terms, uh, you know, you know that it's a, uh, only a handful of options out there, but honestly, the biggest one is just, we're just confused, you know? So, um, you know, historically, Louisiana was a, uh, talking, you know, a long time ago, was a, a, a property foreclosure state um, where it was, it was a forfeiture state, excuse me, not a foreclosure state, and where you would just literally just lose your property, you know, if you didn't after a certain time. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the Bill of Rights came out, uh, thankfully, and, uh, and, and curtailed the, uh, the, those kinds of practices by the government uh, without due process. Uh, and, um, you know, the, um, the states, Louisiana has a history of sort of take, you know, not being the first in line for many good things. And, and they eventually get around, except for having fun and having great food. Yes, uh, yes, but, indeed. Nolan's <laughs> uh, is great for good food and good fun, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, so eventually the state, um, you know, wised up and, and, and changed to a, uh, what we now know to be a redeemable deed type system. And this, so we're talking about the, the, uh, the turn of the, of the 20th century. Um, uh, and that essentially said that the, 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 tax collector who in Louisiana is the sheriff, uh, for the parish taxes. Now there's, there's separate municipalities who have their own inner collections for city and local tax, you know, more local tax than, uh, than on the parish level. And, and those the city tax collectors could in fact collect separately from the parish, but for the most part, the, the biggest taxes, the larger amounts, and uh, you know, of course, our our counties are called parishes. Of course, another another way that we're unique um, <laughs> because of our, our you know French and Spanish heritage, uh, or and, and our uniqueness you know, coming out of that world um, in, in being civil law state, uh, but it's Napoleonic code, and you know, uh, those kind of differences. So. Um, the um, the the system eventually uh, really stayed in place. The redeemable deed was was the way it, it went for a long, long time, um, and it wasn't until two thousand and nine, um, wow. over a hundred years later, um, that we the Louisiana saw a significant change in what kind of tax sale system we have, um, and. Um, a lot of people don't even know this because it wasn't really that broadcasted. And to be honest with you, it was a statutory change. It uh, wasn't in the Constitution, um, which I'll get into later. It was created a little bit of problem. But um, 
the, you know, the, um, what, what the investors see is the result, the product of the law at the time that the tax sale occurs, right? But, um, you know, we talked about changing the law. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a substantive legal change, so it doesn't apply retroactively. So basically in 2009, as tax sales began being sold from 2009 forward, that's where the new law applied, but that really wouldn't affect a court proceeding until years later. And so for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years post legal change, it, it changed some, some things substantively, like at, at, by that, that, at the tax collector level and at the, uh, you know, maybe the, the actual tax debtor level, but it didn't really change a whole lot for the investor who is handling the tax deeds for many years after the change um, because of how long it takes to eventually work its way to the court system. And then ultimately you need that new court decision, right? You need that, that, that pinnacle Supreme Court case to come out and say, uh, you did it right. You know, you, you got it, you got it right. And so even after the law has really settled in uh, on a, on a practice level, um, you may not have that case yet. And for the reason why I'm mentioning all that is because, um, you know, on the title insurance industry really relies heavily on the court system to guide them. And, 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 and for good reason, um, you know, but to really make the, the, those who evaluate what insurance risk they want to take, remember those are private businesses, but most of the time they're, they are relying upon the standard of practice of law in that state. And that's typically set in stone once you have well-settled case law. Um, and that starts from the, from the Supreme Court. So, you know, to get a case all the way up to the Supreme Court, you gotta have the right set of facts, you gotta have the right parties, you gotta have someone paying for it, you gotta have, you know, so it, it basically, it wasn't, yeah, it is, it just is what it is, right? So, so I mean, the, the law changed in 09, but it wasn't until uh, 2017 oh, wow. that, that we saw a, a really good case that that finally made it up to the Supreme Court, and finally the Supreme Court said, "You got it right, Louisiana. You did it right. Finally, you did it right." And and as a matter of fact, this system pretty much rocks. Like y'all did a good job with this. Uh, it, it, it it's good. And so um, then, of course, that realization has to sort of sink into the business world, right? To, to like the the mm -hmm. right. Did, has anyone taken note of that? Has anyone said, okay? Um, uh, now it really has changed. I can go invest in Louisiana now or have the title insurance companies seen that and said, um, okay, yeah, uh, let's go insure those because we know we're covered now. The risk is not nearly what we thought it used to be. Uh, and of course that takes time too. <laughs> so the, the, the number one component of Louisiana tax sale, the, the, the tax sale system that everyone's uh, probably highlights that definition of why it's confusing and complicated is the way that we conduct the tax sale competition. Um, you know, you have, what I mean by that is you have, you have bid up premium states, you know, how, how do you, how does Stephen and Brian compete at the tax sale? Who wins, right? right. Um, you can bid down the, the, the percentage penalty in some places of the interest rate, et cetera. Um, Louisiana has the, 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 the worst one. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it, it's, it looks, it, it is, it is what it is. And, and that's why we're changing it. it, it better late than never, right? It's right. a, and it's a bid down of percentage of ownership in the collateral property that you would take if it doesn't redeem, if the lien doesn't redeem, right? Um, and, and so, and, and like, you might want to replay that and say it again, because it's like, wait a minute, say it again. Um, I mean, it, it's, 
it's that nuts. Uh, and, and it's based upon, uh, at least uh, the, the research that we've done into this, uh, if you really cared to know, was when more agrarian society and you had big lots, swaths of farmland and, you know, you had 100 acres and you had a, a $10 tax bill. It's like, okay, we'll just take one of my acres. You know, really, you don't need to take the whole property. Um, and that was sort of like the concept in that. Um, and, uh, and there was a lot more, um, you know, acceptability of, of co-ownership, um, I, I guess. But um, bidding down the ownership percentage uh, is, does not mean that it's, you're, you're dead in the water. Um, it, as, as the system is now, as kooky as it is now, and as much as we want to change it, the, you know, I've been, had an opportunity to advise clients over the years, and, and there have been companies that have done very well in Louisiana embracing that system. And in fact, once you get over the complexity of it and the comprehension of it, the fact that it is complicated kind of keeps the competition out, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah the, you know, the confusion the confusion is limited competition. Uh, um, yeah, it, definitely. Um, I've seen that. I just I want to kind of reiterate a couple things that you've hinted on and just make it sure. very clear, like you said, is is in 2009 is when they really changed from what was a redeemable deed to now uh, a tax lien. Stand. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And then as far as the, uh, I guess to add to the confusion, the way you bid at the auction is a bid down of ownership percentage, right? Which probably adds right. to people confusing it with a tax deed. Um, but as you stated, the only time that ever takes, that ever goes into effect is is when that property doesn't redeem, right? So the only time you're really even dealing with that piece of the puzzle, if you will, is that small percentage of, of the few that, end up not redeeming at the very end. And then you got to figure out, um, you know, the foreclosure process, which we'll get into in a little bit. Right. But the, the bid down itself isn't saying anything other than if you get to that stage and that few percent, right, then that's what you're willing to take as ownership at that point in time. Is that that's right? Okay. That's All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Down there. Yeah, no, you, you got it. You you, uh, you got it down. Um, and, and so, you know, whether that means something to you or not is, is a personal, is an investment decision. You know, um, and looking at statistics, um, you know, Louisiana follows pretty much the statistics of most states as far as redemption rates. Um, Louisiana has a very long redemption period of three years as the standard. Um, that can be reduced to 18 months if the property is, is can be proven to be blighted or abandoned at, at the time of the tax sale. Uh, another just you know, um, another trick of the trade a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, three years of the standard, and that's a lot of time for someone to, to, to redeem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the ownership interest uh, obviously has no bearing on your investment if the lien redeems, right? I mean, it never came into play. It's kind of like the collateral for a lender in a mortgage that it didn't really matter if the, if the, the borrower paid all, of, you know, and all of their payments and paid the loan off. Then right. your collateral was irrelevant. It was, that's just security, and so having a percentage of the security is just as irrelevant as having all the security if you never need the security, right? right. Um, but it's really important if you do need the security. It's important to know that you don't have the whole thing, and that's where it gets kooky. But it's obviously a very small percentage of cases, and I think the NTLA uh, recently put out a report that you know provided you know it's something less than one percent of all delinquent tax taxes across America on average that ultimately get foreclosed on. Right, right, very, very small percentage. And so the the, the bid down ownership percentage obviously doesn't affect um, the interest that you're accruing on that lien uh, through the redemption period. What uh, What is the redemption in, in Louisiana? 
what is the redemption rate? Oh, sorry, the, the interest rate. Interest rate. Um, so it's it's a 1% per month simple interest from the date of the sale okay. until, until redemption. Um, yeah, it's 12% per year. Um, obviously, cumulatively, cumulatively over three years, that can add up to 36%, ignoring time value of money, et cetera. But uh, right. there's also then a 5% penalty that applies one time at the time of the sale. Um, the interest does not accumulate on top of the penalty, but they're just added back together when you come up with the redemption price. So this um, is an automatic at least five, and then basically you don't start increasing above that till month six. Do I understand that right? No, actually, so month one, uh, if the uh, if the redemption occurred the date after the sale, you'd be getting right. your money back plus 6%. Plus 6 Okay, so it doesn't right. – so you get one. So how about month two? Is it seven or is it still six until – It would become 7% total. So okay. we get 5%, 5%. penalty stays the same no matter what. That's a okay, so in addition to – 1% per month beginning of the, the month of the sale. Got it, got it. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it ends up being really – Forty-one percent. Yeah. If, it, if, the, if, if the redemption happened on the last day of, or in the last month of the three years, right, um, it would be a total of forty-one percent, or seventeen percent in the first year. Right. Correct. Got exactly. It. Got it. Okay. What? Well, um, excellent. I guess uh, you mentioned the sheriff, right? Is the tax collector? Um, can you describe a little bit about how auctions actually work in Louisiana? Are they um, are they live? Are they online? Um, you know, is it uh, you know, you mentioned the the bid down percentage. It you know, is it the you know raise a paddle, you know, yell out whatever your percentage is. Um, I guess can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, and and, and again, just clarify that the the sheriff is the collector for the parish taxes, and in many in many cities, especially the smaller ones, do have their own separate tax. Uh, well, they all have their separate tax collector, um, but have their separate tax sales as well. Um, okay, separate from the parish. Some of the larger cities have uh, cooperative endeavor agreements with the the sheriff, the parish, and the city to combine that collection effort once it falls delinquent, um, and and also sometimes when it goes to tax sale. So there's only one sale. Um, something to be to be uh, leery of um, on the investment side is are the jurisdictions, the city parishes where they are separated, um, because you can have obviously it's one piece of property even though it's two separate tax bills, right? One for the parish and one for the city. And if they're collected separately and they have separate tax sales in the same year, you could have two different investors having the same rights to the same property at the same time. Um, hmm. That is an all, also an awful system. And, and it, 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 that one is way more difficult to change um, because any legislation that would attempt to make that simpler would be telling one of the two of them they can't collect tax the same way that the other one can. Um, and so and the tax sale is obviously part of the collection effort. Um, it would have to be something where everyone came together and said, look, I'm okay with giving up this right um, because it, 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 it makes sense that we consolidate the, the collection, the, the, at least the delinquent collection effort, right? Collect your own taxes for the 90-something percent that pay. But for the delinquent ones, let's consolidate this. And that's something that's on the table for the revision in 2021 as well. So those, um, you know, the, the city level and the county, or sorry, parish level, um, there's no precedence as to what has superiority over the other. They're basically the exact same, and it's the same um, bidding auction process. Everything's identical. Well, there is there is precedent, and there there is a there is a, there are rules to tie break that. Um, um, but but the 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 procedure through which the tax collector of any kind 
Paris or city can can go through to then to collect is exactly the same. What the the result of the tax sale, the 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 the, the meaning of the tax certificate that the investor gets is exactly the same. Um, what's different is obviously if you're looking at if you're trying to like say okay well well in my scenario where I said you you know you might have in the same year on the same property a, a parish bill and a city bill well who has the greater rights um, well it, it's a it's a it's more of a public records um, type of analysis there it's who got there first right um, okay. it, it's where did it have, you know who recorded their their tax certificate first and of course the date of recordation just like public record law across anywhere is what really matters that date stamp by the clerk. Um, um, that being said, uh, you know, the, the remedy, the recourse for, uh, an investor who holds a single certificate in a property is to simply pay the taxes, right? Is to say is to pay or, or redeem another, another interested party's tax sale, right? In right. the same property. If you want to preserve yours, you need to make sure that there are no other rights held by other people. That includes other tax investors. Um, so obviously, that that weighs on the decision of the investor to pay subs and to pay other to pay subsequent taxes or to pay other municipalities. You know, um, so that's just the investment decision. But that but that's the risk you take if you don't if you don't pay it. Is right. you could lose your interest to somebody else even in the same year. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, is there, um, you mentioned the redemption period being three years. Is do liens in Louisiana expire after any period of time, or do they? They do not, uh, and that is also something slated for the the, the twenty twenty one changes. That's not great for public policy, right? Um, saying that, hey, we, we we appreciate you giving the government your investment dollars so that we can operate this year, um, but go do whatever you want with this property after. Like there's no time limit for you to enforce it. I mean, what happens is obviously things change. Investors, their their interests change or the property changes, and there's no there's no there's no uh, consequences. You know they can take forever. So literally no statute limitations at all to enforce your lien rights. Um, okay. and, and that's that's going to change for sure um, because everyone is benefited by having a deadline to uh, to uh, where you would lose your lien rights if you don't take steps to perfect your title or to or go through certain procedures to notify interested parties by a certain time. Got it. Okay. So it's, it is, it is opposite of states like Florida where you know, most investors can ignore any, you know, delinquent taxes that are more than seven years old because there's really no right um, to those lien holders after those seven years. Um, whereas in Louisiana, you still need to, to make sure that you account for those older taxes in your, I'll call total exposure, what you're going to have to make sure if you want to reserve your interest in that property, like you said, you're going to have to take care of all delinquent taxes back to beginning of time, essentially. Well, you just you just uh, opened a little bit of Pandora's box with that question. Uh oh, so, uh oh. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put that back in the box. You might want to put that one back in the box. And I'll sum up why, but uh, you know, what, what I was referring to to your previous question was more about the the the, the right uh, or an obligation of, of someone who's already bought a tax lien or a property to eventually, if it doesn't redeem, have to take steps to enforce that, to convert it to a deed, to foreclose, or, you know, the process. Um, th that's an important time deadline that we don't currently have and need to add in there, so that the investors are motivated to push the. Because what happens is the property suffers. 
right? right. The property gets abandoned and the best, sometimes the best thing that could ever happen to that property, it's chances for being returned to commerce is that investor. And if they're not motivated to do it though, of course, they're not also not motivated to lose money. So they're just gonna walk away from it. And that hurts the community and everything. So that's what I was referring to as far as a time deadline. As far as the a limit on when or how old are the taxes that they have to pay, if they let's say that they they, they get into a, a property by having a taxing certificate, or as the as the property owner, there there's a there's there's a, a debate. Uh, and there's some there's some conflicting case law, and, and this is something that needs to be resolved. Uh, and there's some different philosophies on this too. Um, right now, Louisiana, the anything older than three years cannot be taken to tax sale. Okay. Um, but real estate taxes also have no statute limitations. Like in other words, the they're they don't go away. They just can't be put into a tax sale. But to make things even worse, the Supreme Court has come out and said that the tax sale is the only way to collect tax. Delinquent tax, excuse me. So you have you have the judiciary saying you must use the tax sale, and then you have statutory law saying, but if it's older than three years, you can't use the tax sale. And also saying in the Constitution that they never prescribe, they, they, they never go away. It just doesn't, you can't put those three things in a bucket and have that bucket make sense. And so you just have this like, and it's so what, unfortunately what happens sometimes, this is another thing for investors to be leery of in Louisiana right now is being, you know, stuck with a bill, uh, an old bill of taxes, because guess what? It wasn't in the tax sale. You know why? Because it can't be by law, but yet then they go perfect their deed. Or the next year, the tax collector sends out a new bill, like in year two, the year after the, the tax sale where the investor got into it and gets this regular tax bill because the investor is entitled to get a copy of, of the tax bill. Uh, as a matter of fact, right now, it's sent to the investor, whoever the, 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 the prevailing tax sale purchaser is. They get the tax bill and has all these like, like five, 10 years old of taxes that are due. Hmm. And, and, they're, and they're demanding payment. And a lot, and, and then there's a lot of, um, of of discretion given to the tax collector to how they decide they're going to accept payments. They might say, "You need to pay the oldest tax first. Well, you're like, "I'm not going to do that. It's ten years old. Like, I, I just want to pay the ones that are still within the three year period, right? Within the, but they, but they they have a discretion to then to say, "No, sorry, I'm uh, first dollars in. are going to go to the oldest taxes, and we'll work towards the president." Well, then guess what that does leads to unpaid tax bills, leads to more uh, adjudicated properties, you know? And so the system just is broken in that sense. Um, the, what's be, what's the, the, the caution I give to my clients is to, look, what's your investment goal? You know, are you trying to get into this because you're trying to own property? That's probably not the greatest way to buy property. But if, you, but if you're okay with owning property uh, with the portion of your portfolio that does not redeem, um, if you're planning on paying subs, if you really care about protecting your, you know, the, the growth of your interest, if you, you're accumulating interest so it gets to that three year, then you need to be aware of the delinquent taxes on this property that are outside of the tax sale. Um, you need to just be aware of that. Maybe it doesn't hurt you. Maybe it's not a big deal. If they're owned by another lean investor, right? If there's a lean on it, that's obviously uh, much more urgent or you're going to have to satisfy that. Otherwise, even if they're older than three years, they still have the right to go through the foreclosure process, right? They've met that three-year 
redemption period. If there is no lien on those old taxes, sounds like it just varies by tax collector to tax collector on how that's handled, what they'll do. Um, but if there's no lien, then there's no foreclosability on those older taxes. Do I understand that correctly? Well, the older ones, they can't, if it, if it has not been sold already at a tax sale, right. um, it can't go into a tax sale. Now, it, but, but then the, the, remember the first caveat we talked about was if it's already been sold at tax sale, there's no time limit for when that investor can take it to foreclosure, can take Correct. it to through it. And in Louisiana, we haven't gotten there that, that I don't want to steal thunder of you're asking questions from me, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, that, that's, there's a judicial and a non-judicial avenue to, to pick from to take a matured lien into through a foreclosure to get to a deed. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I, I think that answers, um, you know, really well, it, it, like you said, opens a little bit of a Pandora's box, but it does a lot to explain, um, you know, how the redemption period works, how, you know, what the expiration of those is, um, how the interaction between, you know, city versus parish level um, tax collection works. Um, I'm, I'm learning a boatload. This has been uh, amazing. Um, to kind of um, circle back a little bit on on exactly how the 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 auction process works. Um, so going back to the day of the auction, mm -hmm. uh, are they are they kind of are they online? Are they? Um, how, can you explain just a little bit how the sale actually functions? Sure. Yeah. Actually, Louisiana was one of the first states to permit online auctions at, of their tax sales. So. Um, all the way back to 2007 was the first year wow. that a tax sale was put online in Louisiana. And maybe it may be the first one. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, this is, keep in mind, two years post Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and this was a tax sale that was held for the city of New Orleans. Um, it was created, uh, I, I, I think a lot of the, the, the motivation behind it was because of the, um, the disaster that occurred from the hurricane. and really scattering everything around and, and making it hard to, to, to do regular business in, in New Orleans. Um, but the right stars aligned as well, you know, having having the permissibility in the law um, and the right parties in place to put to kick it off. Um, today, uh, you have a lot more, more than half are still offline, but um, you have a, a lot, most of the major municipalities and parishes with large municipalities are online. Um, okay. So the tax sale um, is uh, generally for most taxing authorities, um, say maybe some of the small cities, is held once a year. Uh, typically the tax sale season in Louisiana is gonna be between April and August. Um, although there are a few deviations from that. Typically not gonna have anything earlier than August because of some statutory uh, minimum time periods that have to pass. But some, but the, there's no hard and fast date that like in other states like Missouri, where it has to happen on a particular day across the state, um, you know, you, you, the tax collector could essentially schedule their sale no earlier than, but almost whenever they want to after that. It's supposed to be as quickly as possible. But um, um, the uh, the tax sale process, um, you know, obviously it's online. Um, you know, you're, you're it's it's pretty standard. I mean, you're registering online with whoever the vendor is and. Um, they usually will all publish their properties uh, a month ahead of time, at least, and so you can do your research uh, early. Um, and the way that bidding works, because of the uniqueness of Louisiana's biddable component, uh, being ownership percentage, um, you know, the price advertised is exactly what you're going to pay. Uh, it can't 
go up. So it's right. easy from a budgeting standpoint to go to know what you're going to spend the sale. You can set a pretty hard and fast budget and know exactly what you're going to spend. It's not going to know if you're going to be the winner. Um, but you know, entering your bid is, is saying that you're willing to pay the advertised price for what percentage of ownership in the collateral, right? Um, and the opening bid at tax sale by law is, is, has to be 100%, right? That, it has to open right. at 100 by law, but the very next bid can be 1%. The very next bid, it, it's kind of like in Florida going to quarter point, right? It's, it's, the, okay. it's the lowest common deno denominator, the lowest possible uh, numerical factor that is, can be used. Uh, you can't get, we're not going to go with less than 1% ownership. Okay, so, so there's no fractions, there's no zero. No, 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 no. No, zero. <laughs> yeah, <wouldn't> <laughs> well, I, I guess that was going to be one of my questions. I guess if, I guess you could technically get, yeah, it's interesting. You, you could take nothing, right? If it doesn't redeem, you're done. Um, but no. Happen, or is that even a possibility? Or do they, did collectors just stop at one? No, no, no. They stop at one by law. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, one is as low as you can go. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, above 100 is not possible either mathematically. Right. So, uh, so uh, but you can, the, the very next bid can be 1% or you can, or anything in between. Um, as soon as the bidding hits 1% within the time period of the auction on any given property, the auction of that property is done. Whoever gets there first is the winner of that, of, of the, of buy, to buy the lien, has the right to buy the lien at the stated price with that 1% uh, as their potential ownership interest in the collateral. And the, there's no more bidding at that point. Um, so is it like, uh, is it you know, for the electronic auctions or online auctions, it's a, a, a random selection if multiple people put in 1%? I, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it's highly encouraged to have a very fast internet connection. <laughs> even though it's an online, you don't you don't preset your bid. It's, it's still done live, even though it's well, online. Well, it depends on the vendor. So, so you know, I, I'm familiar with obviously with Civic Source since I worked there, uh, you know, previously five years, but uh, and, and they and they rolled out a system um, recently to allow a uh, pre-entry of bids, but you can't submit the bid until the auction starts. Obviously, the auction start and end days end time is very important to the integrity of the auction. But you can have it all, you know, geared up and ready to go. Um, especially if you're if you're bidding on multiple properties, it's very helpful to get your bids entered in quickly once the auction does begin. Right. So the auction begin and it's literally one at a time and you sit there and you, you submit your bid yeah. on each. It's it, well, it, 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 with the civic source system, you can enter them all at one time. Um, so if you've taken the time to enter, to preload what you will bid on each given property, um, when the auction begins, the auction begins at the same time for all properties in the sale. It's not a one property at a time kind of thing. So right. at, for example, 10 AM or whatever the start time is, um, you can click submit pre-entered bids and whatever you've entered in across all properties in that sale can be entered in at the same exact time. Um, so you, that might be really good for you. If you have, if you beat everyone else to the punch, you might with one click of a button win a lot of properties all at one time. So you, uh, so if, as long as you're up, um, at whatever time the auction begins and you're the first person to submit your bids, everything that you have at 1% you get, even though, 50 other people have preloaded their bids. It's the first to hit submit on the, the time that the... Right, so it's the transmission of that data click uh, through the uh, through the internet into a civic source servers or through their... You know, I mean, every provider has to have the same kind of system. I know that um, the civic source system tracks 
you know, entries by the millisecond. So there's there's really no ties. It's just a matter of which one that the, that the uh, that the computer saw coming in the door first is the winner. Um, so uh, obviously, the offline auctions are are the circus that you can imagine that they would be. Um, with the uh, no, my hand was up first. No, my you know, well. She's kind of good looking, so I think that she went first, you know. So I, you know, that's uh, that's the old the old school method of of, uh, <laughs> of the in person auctions, and um, even some of those uh, uh, parishes that had held on to the live auction for a really long time finally caved in this year uh, due to COVID, you know. So right. it's good it's good to see that because it actually does bring a lot of fairness to, um, I mean, the system of, of sheriff's deputies selecting whose hands going up in the air. I mean, come on, it's just yeah. <laughs> right, right for abuse. Uh, so uh, your fastest, fastest finger um, on that clicker on the, the, the moment the auction opens. Right. So other than going down to 1%, which will, which will immediately end the auction of that property, when, when the scheduled time of the auction concludes, then the uh, whatever the highest percentage ownership uh, i'm sorry excuse me the lowest percentage ownership that has been that has been bid other than one percent would become the winner um, at the time of closure um, okay. there uh, another another nuance of the civic source auction is that they have a sliding close system which is kind of unique um, and instead of having a hard and fast time on a clock where the auction bidding stops uh say six o'clock p.m you know whoever got that last clicking which which promotes bid sniping, you know, like on eBay, the last second somebody snaps and uh, they can't, their system is pretty, is pretty good in that sense. You can't do that. Uh, any bids received in the last three minutes of the auction slide the end time out by three minutes. So just keep, which keeps going perpetually until there's three minutes of no bidding activity, um, which just provides more time. Uh, it makes, it does, it brings more value from a, a financial standpoint on the, the deed auctions. Because then you're talking about bidding the property up, and more dollars means more money coming into the municipality. Right. Uh, whereas this is just more time for someone to enter a lower bid. Lower bid. Okay. Um, Stephen, you mentioned these um, notifications you've got to provide during the redemption period before yeah. that redemption period ends. And you said um, if you don't, you're not out of water, but it makes it harder. Is it is it a situation where those notifications just e extend that six months? So if you're late in doing those notifications you know, it, it, the time clock doesn't really start until it's, that notification is done, or is it something different and, and it just put, it's more complicated than that, I guess. It, it unfortunately, it is more complicated than that and it's not as cut and dry that it, and that is something we're trying to, we will be addressing with the, the next, um, um, law change. Um, right now it, it, the time frames are set out as what you should or must do, depending upon the, the law that's, that we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, but doesn't really explain the consequences if you don't. Okay. Um, the premise of the revision in 09 was that everyone's entitled to due process and that you can't possibly, under a constitutional law, you can't possibly terminate someone's right in real estate through a government-sponsored process without providing them with due process and due process means they were duly notified, right? They were pro reasonably efforts were made to, to notify them. So that's what we're talking about when we said due process in this kind of case. Um, so if you didn't provide that redemption period notice that you're asking me about, but provided it to them after the redemption period and before you filed your suit, you didn't follow the statute, right? 
but you really it, it upheld the the intent of the law. You you upheld you met the 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 key the most important part of the law is to make sure that that person was provided with the right of due process before taking their property. Right. The fact that it happened today rather than yesterday should be a, of no moment uh, if you actually did it. <laughs> right. So um, which which one's more important to make sure it happened? Right. That you did it within a certain time or that you did it. Um, and so. But, you know, I mean, statutes have consequences and timelines and deadlines have consequences. It's just the fact that Louisiana's current statutes don't really spell those out, um, yeah. but provide that really smart baseline, that really smart goal to hit, which is notify them. Make sure that you've notified them and you, you, you can never, ever terminate their rights without having proven that they were duly notified in Louisiana. And that's in statute. So. It's a self-protecting statute, so no matter how you interpret it, if either you did or you didn't, right, uh, provide that requisite notice. Right. So, you know, that being said, if you're a practitioner and you're an investor and you're doing this on a regular basis, I highly recommend that you follow the statute. <laughs> because yeah. why, give, why give the other side any, any kind of fodder to challenge you, right? So just do it correctly. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so there's there's a time period uh, in the in the redemption periods, uh, 90 days prior to the end of redemption period, you're gonna send out a round of notifications uh, based upon title research to all interested parties and 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 say, hey, guess what? In 90 days, this is coming up, right? You're about to lose your rights, and uh, you know so, um, and then you know post redemption period, you that's when you make that choice: are you going non-judicial or are you going judicial route? Got it. Got it. You know, this all assumes every lien sells. So I guess. Um, what happens to those liens that that don't sell at auction? Um, you know, is there the ability to actually purchase those liens from the county? Yeah, I'll say over the counter is what we call it. You know, directly from the county uh, after the fact, um, or are they forced to you know put them back in auction? Um, and then ultimately, if if it never sells, what happens to those liens down the road? Can you describe that a little bit for us as well? Yeah, actually, I can, and that's really why uh, what brought me to the civic source was that exact um, subject, and uh, and and what I had the good fortune of being a, a part of the um, a very positive change. Uh, the 2009 statutory change uh, provided a process for those that the exact type of property you just described um, to be returned to commerce, have a, a way for it, investors to. Um, to obtain those um, and, and have it and have it clear the hurdles of uh, legal due process and clearing title and transferring ownership. Um, the, in Louisiana, it's it's a, it's referred to as adjudicated properties. Um, mm -hmm. They could I think they could have found a better word than that, but uh, that's what they went with. Um, and uh, uh, it also has a dual meaning in law. Something that's adjudicated means it's just been ruled on, right? So it's um, um, by by a court. But anyway. Um, Tax, ta unsold tax deeds, adjudicated property, that's what Louisiana calls it. Um, so the government that puts the tax lien in the sale, this is the way it works, um, and it, it gets no bids, um, obviously failed to sell. Um, what they were trying to do, so you understand, can you wrap your mind around what's not happening, what is happening, because there's many misconceptions about this too. Government does not then become the owner of the property. The owner of the property is still the owner of the property. All the government was attempting to do with the tax sale was to sell its lien in the property to another person. That sale never occurred, right? So the government was just still holding its lien that it held before that failed sale. There is a process, or there's a certificate actually first called an adjudication certificate that 
memorializes that that failed sale occurred. That's the meaning of that for the most part. Now it has some other, it has some other consequences. Um, the other consequences are it starts the ticking of time. Well, once, once that adjudication certificate has been filed of record saying that the lien didn't sell, uh, it starts the running of the same three year period as if it had sold. So the same three year period that an investor would have for, for, to wait out, right? To wait out for redemption to occur. Can't take the property. Can't take any foreclosure steps. You just got to sit back and wait. The government has the same, um, waiting period as well before they can opt in to do certain other things. Can anybody buy the lien from the government in that time period? No. Okay. No, no, the government has a choice to put it back into another tax sale okay. or, or adjudicate it. Okay. Well, let's do. Um, so the, 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 the only kind of payment that can happen during that three-year period is to literally pay off the tax sale, the, the okay. adjudication, right? And any kind of redemption or, or, or payoff of the adjudication is simply going to revert the title back to where it was prior to the tax sale. So you're just gratuitously paying someone's taxes if you do that. Got it. Um, um, so the three years passes, same same three year period uh, from the time that the adjudication certificate is recorded from the same three year period as if it was a tax sale. And then the government has the, that's what, that's what triggers the eligibility for this process that I, that I referred to, this process of selling adjudicated property. Um, minimum of three. Too much into that because I know that's a whole another segment um, but yeah, get us to at least the point where that process starts. Yeah, absolutely. So once it's either three or they can wait out five years. And again, that just shortens the waiting period from six months to 60 days, just, just as in the tax sale world, the government can essentially go through a, a, a process to put the property up for sale, uh, conduct their own due diligence, um, and, and send out a final round of notices. This is very akin to the non-judicial route for the investor. If you kind of just think about that as being the, the, the concept. We talked about the non-judicial route to, to, to convert to a deed for an investor. That's pretty much what the government has is required to do as well in this post-redemption, it's post-quote-unquote redemption period. And then once they're finished that and they've waited out the requisite period, they can put it into an auction and sell it to the highest bidder. But now they're selling the property. They're actually selling the 100%. There's no bid down of interest. I mean, there's no bid down of ownership percentages. They are, this is like the last resort of tax collection. Right. They tried everything else. They've even put it into a tax sale. Tax sale didn't even work. Right. So now we're just sort of like, I mean, some we've, we've got to help the public and we've got to get this property back into commerce. So there's, they are selling the property, but re remember, according to the statute, they're selling it after due process has been had because that non-judicial um, um, process mandates that it be done. So, so um, it's being done, it's being done. And then it's put into an auction. The highest bidder wins the property. Uh, and these, pro and, and the, there's no mandate for the government to have these options. They can do it if they want to. They just can't do it earlier than three years. Okay. Um, and uh, and then you know, but they can. All, there's also some routes where they can they can sell to the next door next door neighbor has first right refusal and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is a whole other topic because because the the level of complexity it just it, it increases when you talk about adjudicated properties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the risk increases um, uh, for from a title risk. Um, so, you know, the, you do, trying to do it on your own rather than going through a service um, or going through a government entity that has hired a service. Um, you know, these are all um, very, very important, even more so with adjudicated properties. Um, 
um, because remember the, the sale failed to happen. You never had an investor get involved. And, and maybe like, like in the central properties case, hit someone who was knew what they were doing and sent out the right notices that never happened. Right. And now you're relying on a government entity to have done it correctly. And you know, you don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> so, so it's really important to be, but, but there's, but you, again, the, the distinction there is now we're talking about the hundred percent of the real estate bid up premium, uh, like, a, like a true tax deed state would be you're, the government's selling that property. Got it. Okay. We'll, we'll dive into that another day. Hey there, it's Rachel Seidensticker again. So I know we ended things a little abruptly there, but Stephen had just so much inf good information to share with us. Um, we decided we really needed to split it into two different sessions. As you heard in today's interview, Brian and Stephen focused on the bones of what it takes to invest in Louisiana tax liens. Next time, they touch more on the foreclosure process, including the judicial and non-judicial approaches, and you'll also get to learn which one Stephen actually prefers. Plus, Stephen's going to give us um, an update on the 2021 legislature and what changes have been made, as well as projected changes for the future. We want to thank you again for joining us here at Taxel Insiders. Don't forget to catch our episodes every second and fourth Wednesday of the month, and a big special thanks to Stephen Morell of Juristy for helping us kick off this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and like our podcast, Taxel Insiders. You can find us in most locations where podcasts exist. That's Taxel Insiders. We're a podcast for successful tax lien and tax investors. Thanks again for coming along down the rabbit hole, and we'll see you next time.